Good morning. It's a beautiful, uh, chilly morning, but it's beautiful outside. Uh, anybody have to go into their basement last night to avoid tornadoes? Yeah, we did. I didn't see any tornadoes. It sounded like it, though. Yeah, all right. So uh, before we open up in the, uh, the Word, uh, let's uh, pray. God, you said that when you're lifted up, that you would draw all people to yourself. I pray, God, that the words that we say and think about here, God, would glorify you. <laughs> we pray that you would be lifted up. I pray that this morning, God, if there's any bones in, in the, the meat of the word, God, that we would be able to spit them out and just chew on the meat of your word. God, I pray that we would be matured as we hear your word to us, Lord, this morning. I pray, God, that we would leave different than when we came in, closer to the heart of Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. So this morning, um, I come to you truly uh, with sort of fear and trembling. Um, not because I'm going to speak on the fear of the Lord again, like I did a couple of, like a month ago, but because I'm going to try something different. Um, I felt like, and talking with um, the leaders, it was okay for me to share this. I'm going to get kind of personal. Um, some of you have heard uh, my story uh, over the last couple of years. Some of you have heard more in depth, and some of you haven't. Um, but we're going to be talking about the Lord, but I'm going to start off by kind of just sharing a little bit as a testimony um, uh, what, what's been happening in my life. My name is John, by the way, if you don't know me. Um, I'm an assistant pastor here, and uh, I've lived here and been part of this church for about 15 years um, with my wife, and we have uh, two kids who have been born and raised in Wren, so this is our home. So uh, about a year ago, um, I started having some weird things happening um, uh, in my body, some weird uh, GI stuff, and then um, some some stuff happening in my head, not my brain, but like my head was getting hot, and I was getting sort of these sort of hot flashes and stuff like that. And so um, I went to the doctor and um, through a, a variety, a battery of tests and you know all these different things, um, I finally went in for a, a colonoscopy, which I mean, when you're my age, that's what you do anyway. Um, but we also thought that there might be something going on a little bit further. So, uh, like I said, about a year ago, um, after the colonoscopy, I was sitting in the, uh, you know, the recovery and sort of waiting room for the doctor to come out to talk to me. And when he came out, he said, well, I have some bad news. And I was like, ugh. He said, you have cancer. And I was like, oh, jeez, well, what stage is it? And he said, it's stage four. 
So if you know anything about cancer, there is no stage five. That's death, pretty much. Um, without going into all the details, um, it's a neuroendocrine cancer, which kind of goes all throughout my body. Um, so it kind of took my breath away when he said that. Um, I asked him, like, am I going to die soon? Uh, how much time do I have left? And he didn't answer. He said, well, you know, I'm not an oncologist. We'll get you with an oncologist right away, and they can give you more. But, you know, there's, there's always new things coming out, you know, treatments and stuff. And I'm thinking, great. Now, peel back uh, a couple years more, uh, about three years ago, maybe two and a half years ago, um, I was having some other symptoms where I was losing uh, strength in my hands and my arms, my muscles, where I was losing weight, and um, it was just kind of weird. So through another variety of uh, battery of tests and some of them painful of them shocking me and stuff like that because I, it was something neurological going on weird with my muscles. Um, that two years ago, or two and a half years ago, whatever, I was diagnosed with uh, adult onset muscular dystrophy. Type one, myotonic dystrophy. And my neurologist said, you know, there's really no cure, uh, there's no treatment or medication. And so in my, my human mind, I was thinking, so there's no hope. He said, you know, it'll progress um, and as you get older. Um, and again, my, my, my mind was like, so you're telling me I'm going to shrivel up and die. Um, and then, you know, my doctor said, well, I'll see you in a year. And I was like, okay, I'll see you in a year. But there's, you know, so I do go see him every year, but there's not really anything new that he can say, you know, how is it going? You know, is it better? Is it worse? So I've had a hard couple of years. Um, but really through all, it, all of it, God has sustained me. So this morning, I'm going to share some things I've learned or maybe relearned over the last couple of years. And hopefully, you know, this is my story, and it may be different for those of you struggling with similar things, but hopefully what I share will help you. You know, whether you're struggling with, you know, terminal or some other serious physical infirmity or sickness or disease, maybe if you're struggling with anxiety or depression or loss of someone or something, confusion about life, or even if you're not. I think God's word this morning has something to say to all of us if we're listening. So we have been going through Proverbs for the past couple of months, and there's a proverb that has meant a lot to me, especially lately as I've gone through this season. And it's one that's very common. A lot of you have uh, heard this growing up, but it's Proverbs 3 Verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths, or will make your paths straight. So when I came home that day after getting the cancer diagnosis, for the rest of the week, I don't really remember <clears throat> what I was thinking. I just remember being tired. Um, I don't think I was angry, but I do believe that I was starting to go through the stages of grief because I, I just couldn't believe it was true. Uh, it was like I was in part of a 
bad dream because there was nothing I could do to get out of it. But something happened. Now, it wasn't immediately, but sort of progressively. I remembered something. What I remembered was the years before, the couple years before when I received the diagnosis about the, the muscular dystrophy, right after I had received that and walked out of the doctor's office, God spoke to me. Now, I'm not one who says God speaks all the time to me, but I, I think I can hear his voice sometimes. I mean, the Bible says, you know, his sheep hear his voice and they recognize it. And this was one of those times where I knew that God was speaking to me. There's a few of those times in my life where I'm like, that was God. And what he told me was, tell everyone so that when you get healed, they will see my glory. Um, and so I remembered that. And as I'm praying and thinking about the cancer, I felt like God was saying, you can include this new diagnosis too. <laughs> Tell everybody about it all, you know? And so I've told some of you, but today I am declaring, right now I have muscular dystrophy and I have stage four cancer. Okay, so I'm declaring that as a truth. But we're not going to stop there, okay? That would be really sad if I just sat down. <laughs> but what I am saying is don't feel sorry for me. But what I do ask from you is that you would pray with me and pray for me. And don't pray that I would just be, have peace and comfort as I have to struggle with this. You can pray that, but also pray that God would heal me so that he would get the glory when I'm healed. And let's watch and see what happens. So as I've said, my diagnoses for the long-term results for these two illnesses are pretty grim, according to the doctors. And I have one of the best specialists in the world in my case, um, my oncologist, and I really love her. Um, we go to Dana-Farber in, in Boston, if you're ever looking for a place to go. Man, she's been amazing. And let me just say this as a tangent. I know that some of you are physicians, um, researchers, or in med school, <clears throat> or pre-med. And I deeply value you, and I value your profession. I take your advice. I'm pro-doctor. I'm pro-medication. I also believe in mental health professionals, whether it's you know uh, counseling, psychiatry, medication. I believe that God uses these, these or you people, you know? So I'm, I'm pro that. But I also recognize this morning that my oncologist and my neurologist, in their thinking, their thinking stops where the natural stops, where the data stops. Yes, they do research and a lot of great research is happening, but not yet for where I'm going. But there is a limit with what they can understand. And as far as their understanding goes, I'm not going to get better. But God says, do not lean on your own understanding. But when we're looking at this scripture, let's not put the cart before the horse. 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 
I'm talking about death and I'm talking about hearses. So that was not purposeful. Um, but let's not put the, the card, I have a lot of death humor, right? Um, but let's not put the card before the horse in when we're looking at the scripture. Because to get where you don't lean on just where the data stops and where what we see with our human eyes is only in the natural, we have to do what first? We have to trust first. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Now, without going into all the nuances of the original languages of Greek and stuff, the English translation here speaks for itself. Trust is part of faith, and trust really means to believe in or to count or rely on. I have trust that if I leaned up against this wall that it wouldn't fall down, right? I rely on that. I count on that. Um, and then all of your heart, and this is important, all of your heart here really means with all that you have, with all your being, and with all that you are. So trust in the Lord, but lean not simply on your diagnosis. I feel like what God has been saying to me is acknowledge it for what it is. It's real, and it's an attack. Be wise. Go to the doctor, do the treatment, take the meds, eat healthy, exercise, stretch, do yoga as much as you can, the best you can. But don't lean with all your heart and your being, all of who you are and what you have. Don't lean there. Because that doesn't include the biggest part. <laughs> it's kind of weird to say the biggest part. Because the biggest part is so much bigger than anything ever we could. It's God, you know? If I'm just leaning on my diagnosis and not thinking about God, then I'm not leaning on the right thing. If I'm leaning on my diagnosis and not leaning on God, I've got some things not in the right order. All of our own human fleshly understanding, if we count on it or lean on it, discounts the work of the Lord, of his love and his power and all of his stuff. All of our data can't explain or explain away the divine and miraculous. And here's something to lean on. God does miracles. Now, you may not believe that. But if you look in Scripture and you believe in Scripture, you, I mean, they're throughout. You can't just explain them away. And the Bible says he doesn't change. So if he healed Lazarus, you know, in the New Testament, he can still heal today. Many of you have seen sort of like some of these supernatural things, and some of you haven't. But listen, if you call yourself a Christian, a believer, you already believe in some crazy stuff, man. I mean, you believe that a virgin had birth? Like, come on, if you can believe that, or, or that like saying words up into the air in the midst of, you know, whatever, six billion people on the earth that God has to watch over, that he still hears you specifically and knows you, like, that's, that's pretty big. Like, you believe some crazy stuff. 
I mean, come on. If I can believe in that, it's really not that hard of a stretch to believe that God can heal cancer and other stuff in me. Sometimes it's hard to believe for yourself. I know that because I've struggled with that. Sometimes it's easier to believe for somebody else. But, man, I read scripture and I try to meet with the Lord and, and, and I don't see anywhere where he says he can't do that. So, don't lean on these things, but do lean on what is in scripture. Or better yet, do lean on who is in scripture. Acknowledge him. Next verse, I think. Yes. Acknowledge him in all your ways, in everything. Acknowledge him. Acknowledge him first, even before acknowledging terminal illness. If we could see with God's eyes or kind of sort of like through him um, and then that our circumstances or something are on the other side, if we see through God, we would have a better, truer, uh, a better true and divine understanding of what's going on and what God's doing, right? You start with him, you look through him, through his eyes, and then you see and look at other things. They're like goggles, the God goggles. Acknowledge him first for who he is, what he has done. I love that song that we were talking, uh, singing those songs about what God had done through the Bible, the different stories. For who he is, what he has done, what he continues to do in the world. If you look a, 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 at the world long enough, you see a lot of bad stuff, but you see a lot of amazing stuff that God's doing. Another translation, the NIV uses the word submit to him instead of acknowledge him, but submit to him. Again, give yourself completely to him. So I have learned a couple of things over the last couple of months, and with the last part of um, what I'm going to speak through, I want to talk about some, just some practicals that worked, have worked for me. And they may, hopefully, maybe they speak to you. Maybe they don't, but this is what I've, some of the stuff that I've learned. And again, I'm just speaking personally from my heart. When you're sick or anxious or depressed or lost, man, I felt lost some of these days, or tired. I like to think of the verse in Acts 17, 28 that says, in him we live and move and have our being. With that, the, the first practical thing that I, I want to share is stay the course. If you're struggling with whatever, stay the course. Now, this sounds very simple, but keep on living and moving according to God's word as best you can. Stay in prayer, stay in the word, stay in fellowship, join a small group. Um, Listen, I know it's hard sometimes when you're struggling with all these different things and treatments and you're tired all the time. But we must not let our illness or our struggles define our walk with Jesus. 
Again, we acknowledge them. They're real. They're true. They're an attack. It's a battle, and it's tiring. But I'm not going to let that um, define like who I am. I'm not going to stop telling other people about Jesus because I'm sick. I'm not going to stop uh, writing out a, a study on James for the small groups because I'm sick. Now, there are times when I'm, I'm tired and it's hard and I have to struggle through it. I'm not going to stop going to church on Sunday because I'm sick. Now, the, again, I know there are times where I may be overwhelmed with sickness and you have to work through those. But we should not let those things define us. No matter how far. Man, I'm far along in being sick. But I'm not letting that define me. I'm acknowledging it, but I'm acknowledging God first and believing in him. So with that, I, I do want to say I understand. And there are times where we need to rest. And if you're struggling with these types of things, you need to learn to rest. I think one of the biggest struggles you may have or I have is, in this season is fatigue. But I've found that when I take time to rest, I found in, in I like to go to like even just a, a small daily devotion. And in my daily devotion this season, I'm loving being very simple and getting back to the basics of faith and doctrine. And as I get back to the basics, I'm just loving it. I'm just loving remembering that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I'm loving the, the idea that there is a trinity that I, I don't fully understand, but just some of these basics. And I'm also taking time simply to listen to his voice. So stay the course Take the rest that you need um, and uh, allow God to recharge your spiritual and physical battery. And this is not just for people who are sick. But. The second thing is ask for help. I don't know if anybody's good at this. I'm not good at this, but I've learned. I've learned even more during the season of my life that I need others. Yeah, for, you know, accountability and stuff, but, um, you know, there's a lot of guys and, and women that I could point you out, but, I mean, one person that I know that I can always count on is Mike Hoyle. If I need encouragement when I'm feeling defeated, man, he's good. And if I need prayer... You know what he does? Every time that we pray, every time I see him, he says, you know, God told you to tell everyone and that he told you that he's going to heal you. I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> so I need people for that. But beyond that, I also need help with the things, the practical things I used to do that I can't do anymore. When I started the, uh, the campus ministry, the branch at, at Brown, like 15 years ago, um, we had a lot of sound equipment over the first couple of years. Sounds equipment, stands, mics, the bags of wires and all this stuff. And it stayed at my house. And every Friday I'd get there and haul it all to the place that we stayed. And then I'd get some help to tear down. And, but I'd haul it all back, not leave it in my car, bring it back down into my basement. And that was not a problem. But over the years, I started, like I said, I was losing strength in my arms and hands. And I just had to ask a couple of guys, guys, this is happening. Will you help me? 
I can't do it. And there were a couple of guys at that time. I remember Yao, who goes to our church now, is in med school or residency. Um, Russian, if you've heard that name, I used to go to our church. And a couple other guys, they would help because I asked. And then, you know, to get really humbled, sometimes I'm at home with just my kids, and I can't open the pickle jar. Talk about being humbled. I have to ask my daughter, could you open this? And she's just like, yeah. It takes a lot of humility to do that or like embarrassment. But I think God's teaching me to be humble. And you know what? I think it also blesses and helps others to serve God by serving me. You know? I feel like Yao and Russian and my daughter are getting blessed because they're serving God, because they're serving me, as we ought to serve one another. So stay the course, ask for help. And third, this is kind of a specific thing, but memorize scripture. Here's some that I've memorized that have really meant some um, stuff in in, uh, this season. James 4.10 says, humble thyself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. He will lift me up. John 10.10, which is my favorite verse. The thief, muscular dystrophy and cancer, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full, have it abundantly. And he's not just talking about eternity here in heaven. He's talking about here, full, now. Psalm 27, 13, and this is one of my favorites and one of the most recent ones that I've learned, uh, been uh, memorizing. I remain confident of this. I will see goodness of, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Man, I just love those. And you know what? As I was preparing this, I didn't just happen upon those verses. I didn't say, okay, I'm talking about this you know, I should put some verses. God brought those to memory. Because I had these words in my heart from long ago, because I memorized scripture long ago. And, and I might not have thought about them, but God brought them to my heart. I didn't have to happen on these verses. They were there. They've been with me since I memorized them. Um, and it's not me. I mean, it is, but it's God who's helped me memorize Let me just say this one thing. I've heard some of, actually probably some of you say, you know, I just can't do the memorization thing. My mind doesn't work that way. But in concert with God's Holy Spirit, you can. Um, You're not too burned out from your studies or you're not too burned out from doing so many drugs. You know, I worked in the Salvation Army uh, Adult Rehabilitation Center and I talk to guys about memorizing scripture, and I heard that a lot. The one guy, there was one guy, man, he, he had done, he, he had had a hard life. And I don't think I've ever met somebody who studied or memorized scripture more easily than him. He just said, I'm going to do it. And every day I was like, okay, what's your verse of today? Oh, I've got two today. And he just memorized. I say, okay, what about the ones from last week? He just, he just had them. You can do it. And it makes a difference. You might not remember them like, like if I asked you, what's Psalm 27, 13? But if you needed them, God brings them to mind when you need them. 
That's why I think like teaching your kids, if you're adults, they may not seem to follow them right away, but they will stay in their hearts somewhere. And at the most inopportune time for them, God will show them, you know, or most opportune time. Just a, a little plug for, if you're looking at what should I study, Google Navigator's topical memory system. There's 60 verses there about everything in life. For my internship, I had to memorize those 60 verses, and then I had to memorize some more. But, um, man, they, they, they have stuck with me. All right. Let me finish with this scripture. So in the gospel stories, especially in the uh, gospel of John, there's a story about Jesus where there's this point where Jesus was speaking to his followers. Um, and there's this point where Jesus' words about himself being the bread of life and stuff like that were getting too hard for people to accept. It was confusing to their minds and to their understanding so much that many of them just left. They abandoned him. And Jesus, after they had all left, there were 12 remaining, and he says to the remaining 12, everyone else has left me. Are you going to leave too? I'm adding this. But my thoughts are, this is what Peter was thinking. Well, a lot's going on, like eating your flesh and drinking your blood, and you continue to lead us, but you keep saying that you're going to die soon. I don't get it. Yet still, one thing I know, and he says, to whom else shall we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. Guys, I have nowhere else to go. Nowhere else to look for healing and long life. And that sounds kind of depressing. But for me, it's not. It's comforting. Because there's only one place I can go. Only one person I can go to. Because my trust is not in my understanding. I lean on Jesus. And I am confident it's all in his hands. And I also am confident that he loves me. And so I know that I'm in his hands. Amen? We're going to talk a little bit about some missions that we're doing. Um, Catherine and, uh, is going to come up. But let me pray as, as she comes up. God, teach us to, in all our ways, uh, trust in the Lord with all of our heart, all that we are, and lean not on our own understanding. In all of our ways, in everything, let us acknowledge you and then you will give us straight paths to walk on, to live in, to live on, to live in the land of li the living with abundance and full life. 
God, I pray that my brothers and sisters here, especially those struggling with things, God, would be able to take in what you're saying. Not what I said this morning, but what you're saying to their spirit and put it into action of, of, of loving you and believing in you and leaning on you. God, I pray as we think about others in the mission field this morning that we would uh, trust in the Lord with all of our hearts in what you're doing in and with them, through them, in the mission field. God, because, you know, we've talked about how it's all about you this morning, but it's also all about others because that's your heart. And so I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.